Ridley were bound together and burned alive. As fire grew hotter and the smoke billowed about them, Latimer cried out with timeless words. Play the man, Master Ridley. We shall this day light such a candle by God's grace that in England, as I trust, shall never be put out. Play the man. What a challenge. It spoke powerfully in 1555. It resonates just as powerfully today. As we celebrate Father's Day in 2022, it is a challenging time for God to call out his people, Christian fathers and Christian men, and simply say to each one of us, it's time to play the man. Men and fathers in this day are constantly being exposed to a dangerous message. And that message is men are a toxic force in America today. You've got to be careful if you're around a man. You've got to avoid allowing men to be too influential in your life because they are dangerous creatures. Once men were respected and depended on, they were trusted to lead with wisdom. But too often today, they're being told, you're the problem you're not the solution. Voices all around us are telling men they should feel embarrassed and even ashamed for who they are. Women are told you should be skeptical and suspicious of the men in your life. When men are portrayed on television or in the movies, they play one of two roles. Either they're the well-meaning but bumbling fellow that everybody can laugh at. Or they are those men who are angry and difficult creatures. Worst of all, today's society often embraces a message that says traditional families are not really all that important. And fathers at home don't really matter all that much. There's ever been a time when fathers needed to hear the call, play the man. I think it's today. America desperately needs men who are willing to boldly reclaim their identity as men of God, who are willing to embrace their God-given value, who are unashamed to play the role of masculinity that God has called them to exercise, men who are committed to loving and protecting their families the way God has called them to do, men who are willing to take a stand for Christ and who are willing to step forward and boldly become the spiritual example that their wives and their children long for them to be. So I was praying about the message I wanted to preach this morning on Father's Day. The Lord reminded me of a similar challenge that God issued to his people through a man named William Merrill about a hundred years ago. It was in the early years of the 20th century and the nation and the church in that day as in our day we're facing a real crisis of identity. Who are we? What are we supposed to be like? How are we supposed to live out our lives? Much like today, everything seemed to be changing quickly. New inventions were taking place every day, making life uh, different from time to time. All of a sudden, you didn't have to go to bed at dark because there were electric lights that could come up in your room. All of a sudden, people could travel because trains were getting faster. It wouldn't be long before the automobile would become popular in America. People were seeing the potential of all kinds of things that technology was bringing about. Not only that, 
In those early years, people had more money in their pockets to buy those things to distract themselves. And everybody believed that the answer to every problem was going to be found through human ingenuity. The people of God were not immune to that same attitude sweeping across America. Many churches at that time embraced a theology that was called modernism. Modernism was the early 20th, 20th century's equivalent to theological liberalism that we see today. Modernism embraced a theology that sought to replace the truth of Scripture with the opinions of men. Truth was less about what the Bible said and more about what people thought. Modernism sought to leave away, away from a commitment to Christ alone to the worship of a less personal and more generic God. And most of all, modernism was a movement that really believed the institutions of men could bring about the change that only God could provide. They thought we can bring in the kingdom of God. All we've got to do is become better and smarter and nicer and the world will become a beautiful place. In reaction to modernism, a grassroots spiritual movement began to sweep across America calling people back to a deep commitment to Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. And a vital part of that movement involved a challenge to men to step up and lead the way in their family's spiritual life. It was a call for men to get off the sidelines and get out into the middle of things and become the spiritual forces that God had called them to be. The emphasis was not on men in authority or men as some sort of superior gender. The focus was on calling men back to taking responsibility responsibility for their walk with Christ and for their homes. And William Merrill was a part of that renewal, the kind I think we need to see in our nation today. And God gave him a message. It came in the form of a song. And I believe that song, written over 100 years ago, has the power to remind us of God's challenge to men and fathers today. In fact, you heard it just a little while ago. You've sung it all your Christian life. This is what he wrote. Rise up, O men of God. Have done with lesser things. Give heart and soul and mind and strength to serve the King of Kings. And I think that's God's challenge for fathers and that's God's challenge for men today. It is God's call to play the man, to rise up. And I just want to take a few minutes this morning as we celebrate Father's Day, as we challenge fathers and as we thank fathers who have made that commitment to be those Christian examples God's called them to be, I just want to walk you through this hymn a line at a time and discover what God has to say to us today. And the first line is simply this, rise up, O men of God, rise up. How important is that for us to hear today? We live in a day when men are told, keep your heads down and keep your mouth shut. Nobody wants to hear what you have to say. Do whatever you have to do to keep from being exposed and condemned by people who want to find fault with you. Because after all, we are living through a stage in our life, in our life as a society, when too many times we are told that as men we are the dangerous creatures. As men we are the frightening people. Whatever you do, don't be accused of being 
too male in this world. That includes keeping your faith yourself. As believers, we're being told that displaying our faith is not nearly as important as making sure we don't do or say anything that's going to offend somebody else. In other words, we're being challenged to live an emasculated faith. And the Lord has a challenge to us as Christian men. And this is what he says, rise up, O men of God. Rise up, stand tall, stand boldly, stand strong in the face of criticism and condemnation. Remember who you are in Christ Jesus. Remember the commitment that you've made to the Lord and stand up and be counted. Now, I'm not telling you that it's our job to go out and look for a fight, but I do believe the time has come to rise up and let our relationship with Christ be clearly evident. After all, that's the point of the passage we read together just a few moments ago from Ephesians when Paul says to his people, and having done all to stand, having put on the armor of God and having done all, stand up, be visible, be counted, be faithful. The world around us needs to see Godly men living godly lives in a way that honors the Lord Jesus. Being willing to stand up and let people point to us and say, you see them? They're Christians. It reminds me that it was in Ephesus that we were first called Christians. No, no, no. It was in Antioch. But we were called Christians. Little Christ, at the time it was meant to be a derisive term. But it became one that the church of God embraced. We embraced that idea of being called little Christ. Symbols of him. And once again, God calls us and he says, it's time to rise up. This past week, a man named Joe Kennedy was back in the news again. This is what he was accused of. See if this sounds a little bit like Hugh Latimer. He was accused of bringing about the erosion of a bedrock of American democracy by a writer in Sports Illustrated of all places. What's his crime? Taking time to pray on a football field when games are over. Allowing players who chose to join him to be a part of that prayer. His greater crime refusing to apologize and back down when he was criticized. As men of God, we're called to be unapologetic about our relationship with Jesus. Rise up, O men of God. And the hymn continues, it says, Have done with lesser things. For Christian men to become a force for good in our nation, one thing has to happen. We have to be serious about giving Christ first place in our lives. We live in a busy world. There are all kinds of options, all kinds of opportunities around us, all kinds of distractions that can take up our attention and our time and our money. And there's nothing wrong with taking advantage of any of these options as long as it's consistent with God's will. 
But this is what Hugh Merrill challenges us to do. Don't let any distraction replace Jesus Christ as the first priority of your life. Have done with lesser things. That doesn't mean that there's no room for lesser things. It just means none of those lesser things should be given the priority that Christ and Christ alone deserves in your life. Long time ago, I heard a preacher say this. One of the biggest temptations any of us ever face is giving first-class devotion to second-class causes. Do you think that's true? First-class devotion to second-class causes. Allowing those things that should be minor in our life to become the major, sometimes the most important things. We need to be careful about the lesser things in our lives that claim too much of our time, that demand too much of our attention, that interfere with our commitment to the only one who really matters. Men, we're done with lesser things when we give first place to Christ and reveal that commitment through the way we live. Among the greatest gifts I'm grateful for this Father's Day is the example of my own father. People ask me all the time. In fact, they asked, somebody asked me again just this past week, so was your dad a preacher? Because there's just kind of this assumption that if you're a preacher, your dad was a preacher. But my dad was a steel worker and a church member and a deacon and a Sunday school teacher. And all of my growing up life, there were, one thing, there, was, there were two things that the four of us knew beyond a doubt. One of them was that our father loved us. But the other thing was he loved Jesus more than he did us. He made his commitment to Christ when he was a preteen boy. For some time, the only one in his family to walk with Jesus. And all of his life, in his own quiet way, he lived out his faith in the Lord. And it was consistent, and it was real, and it was on display for us to watch. I am so grateful for that quiet man in my life. Who gave me an example of what it means to have done with lesser things. It's not so much about what do you do with the lesser things. It's really more about what do you do with the greater one? Jesus Christ. And that's how uh, Merrill's hymn continues. He says this. He says, give heart and soul and mind and strength. Heart and soul and mind and strength. That's a line about the depth of your faith. The world needs to see godly men who are unconditionally committed to their Savior. Unconditional. That's a powerful word, isn't it? Unconditional. Everything surrendered. Nothing held back. There's a phrase I used to hear a lot around church. And maybe it's one we need to hear again. Remember that phrase, sold out. Men who are sold out in their faith in Jesus Christ. Is anything more important than to know you are sold out in your walk with Christ. And all your actions and all your thoughts with everything in you. I am sold out to him. I love the story that General Omar Bradley told following the conclusion of World War II about the man that he said was the greatest leader he had ever known. He was Colonel Pat Flynn. 
And he led his men, and he had a reputation as a soldier leading a group of infantrymen that he could lead them anywhere, and they would do anything for him. That if he challenged his men to walk into the face of, the, of enemy fire, they would do so without hesitation. And Omar Bradley said there were two things about Pat Flynn that changed everything. One was that he never sent his men. He led his men. They followed him into battle. And they knew that if he asked them to make an ultimate sacrifice, he was willing to do the same thing. But he said the other thing that was an amazing thing about Pat Flynn was what was painted on the back of his helmet where it said AAA-0. AAA-0. And his men knew what that meant. It meant anything, anytime, anywhere, no exceptions. Anything, anytime, anywhere, no exceptions. The Lord is looking for men like that who will bear his name for fathers and husbands who are willing to carry his name into battle in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. But I think instead of AAA0, our symbol should probably be HSMS. HSMS. Heart, soul, mind, strength. And then came the final line. To serve the king of kings. It was the issue of lordship that shattered every dimension of modernism. You see, lordship puts Jesus Christ and not mankind on the throne. Lordship understands that as believers, we serve the king of kings. We follow where he leads. We serve where he calls. We trust in his power. We yield to his authority. We serve the king of kings. Rise up, O men of God. Have done with lesser things. Give heart and soul and mind and strength to serve the King of Kings. And that's the commitment, the, the challenge that God places before his people, before fathers and husbands and men of God. But if we're going to respond, then we also need to hear the last verse of this powerful hymn. This is what he wrote. Lift high the cross of Christ. Tread where his feet have trod. Led onward by the Son of Man. Rise up, O men of God. And that's his challenge. In a moment we're going to stand and we're going to sing a hymn of invitation. And you may be here and you're not a Christian. And today may be the day when you need to trust Jesus. And I'll invite you to come forward and I'll be here at the front. Dr. Hutchins will be here at the front. We would love to introduce you to the Savior. But you know what? This may also be one of those days when as men of God and fathers of God, you may just need to come forward and say, pray for me 
I want this to be my life. I want to play the man. I want to rise up. I want to serve the King of Kings. Is there a decision you need to make? We're going to stand. We're going to sing. And as we sing, you come. Let's stand together. Happy Father's Day to you fathers. I hope that you have a special afternoon. Remember, no activities here this evening. Also remember, there won't be any regular Wednesday night activities this week because of our Vacation Bible School because the Fellowship Hall is all about a rocky railroad right now. So we're looking forward to that. Pray, bring your children, bring your grandchildren, invite your neighbor children. We're looking forward to a really good Vacation Bible School been good to be in God's house let's have our final prayer and then one last song as we're dismissed father we do want to pray that you challenge us as godly men to rise up Lord the world around us just needs to see godly men boldly and joyfully following the Savior who loved them and forgave them bless us Lord and help us to rise up as men of God and we pray in Jesus name Amen. To God. Father's Day.